Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Everyday Church. We are a body of believers in Oklahoma City with the mission to live out our faith on a daily basis. Let's listen in as we hear a powerful message from God's Word. This is an important morning for us. We're going into a new series called uh, 2020 Vision. And of course, this is a playoff of the year. Today is December 1st. We are in the last month of 2019, which is crazy to think about. 2020 is right around the corner. Uh, It's here, 2020. Now, 2020 is kind of just a cool year because of that term or the numbers 2020. Some of you are familiar with the term or the numbers 2020 because of the television show. Uh, Some of you have watched that before. Anybody have ever watched that? I don't know if I've ever watched a full 2020 episode, but that's a show. But maybe even more popular is the 2020 vision. Anyone got 2020 vision in the room? (laughs) None of you, okay? I used to have 2020, and then I hit my 30s, and then now the 40s, and it's gotten worse. Now, 2020 is a term that is used to express normal visual clarity measured at 20 feet. Okay, that's what that term is about. If you have 20-20 vision, you see clearly at 20 feet what should normally be seen at that distance. It's about clarity. If you have 20-100 vision, it means that you've got to be as close as 20 feet to what a, a person with uh, normal vision would see at 100 feet. Okay, so 20-20 isn't perfect vision because there's, uh, of course, with um, peripheral awareness or depth perception or focusing ability or color vision, there's all kinds of uh, issues with the eyes, but 2020 vision is specific to uh, clarity at a distance, okay? Visual clarity. So as we enter 2020, I want to talk about our vision as a church and what we're about. And of course, it's not perfect vision. Uh, we are, are fully aware of that, but this is what God has given us, and this is where He has. Uh, the vision he's given us of what we should see and where we're going, the direction and the clarity that we should have as a faith family, as a church. This is important. So I'm going to start this series with one word, and that is serve. Now, all the sports people in the room, I'm not talking about a volleyball serve or a tennis serve. We're talking about serving one another. Now, the, the sports serve can be very fun, but also serving the Lord should be a joy. It should be encouraging. It should be even, dare I say, fun. Now, as a church, I will tell you that, that we are designed in a very particular or specific way. We aren't designed as a cruise ship where the vast majority of people show up to be entertained, I would say that we are more or designed more to be like an aircraft carrier. See, what separates, I think, our faith family from uh, many other faith families, specifically in our area, is that we're not a come-and-see church. The come-and-see mentality says that uh, what happens in the building is what should be used uh, for your entertainment, or maybe for the totality of your spiritual life. Now, I think the E58ers have come in asking for money. If, if you're passing it out, I would love some myself. Look at that. They, it worked. Tell Nico to pick me up some. Okay. So let me, let me just backtrack for us for a little bit. See, there is a mentality for some churches, and this is how they're designed and how they set up their, their functionality, and that is kind of this idea of come and see. Come and see what we're doing. Come and see uh, about what's happening in our building. And the totality of spiritual life can be wrapped up with what happens within the four walls of where that church meets. 
And that's just kind of how they've, they've set up things. Come and see what we're doing. We're putting on a big show. We're putting on a big event. Come and see. I would say for us, we're less come and see and that we are more wired and designed as a gather and go. There's a difference between come and see what's happening in the building as opposed to, hey, yeah, we, we're going to have a place to meet and gather and we're going to worship the Lord together, but then we're going to go, go. <laughs> we're going to be sent back into the circle of the influence that God has given us and we're going to go be the hands and feet of Jesus where he has us and where he wants to send us, where he wants us to go. That's our purpose. Now, we're not competing against other churches and we should be on the same team if they're talking about Jesus, preaching Jesus, lifting up Jesus, loving one another, declaring the truth of the scripture. We're on the same team. We're just set up differently, and that's okay, and that's good, and there's health in how we're wired, and there can be health in how other churches are wired. That's not bad. It's just who we are. Now, again, for visual purposes, we are more of an aircraft carrier, though, than we are a cruise ship. The cruise ship mentality says, well, I show up to the building to get I show up to be entertained. And that's in this model, there's a very strong temptation where worshipers become spectators and givers, the temptation is to become customers. That's not what we're trying to produce. We're trying to avoid that mentality that you show up and think, well, I don't like what's happening in the performance, quote unquote, or what's happening on stage. And, and since I'm here to get or I'm here to be entertained, since the performance, quote unquote, isn't what I like, then I'm going to quit attending the show, quote unquote. You understand what I'm saying? It's not a show and it's not meant to be, but that's the temptation. And some people think, well, I'm here to get, I'm here to be entertained. Or even, dare I say, some people will use this excuse, I'm here to be fed. Well, since I don't like the meal, I don't like the show, well, then I'm going to quit attending and go somewhere else, where eventually I'm going to quit there, and then I'm going to go somewhere else, and then I'm going to eventually quit there. Or another version of that is, I don't like everything. There was that one Sunday that was good, but that other Sunday wasn't good. And so maybe... The, the displeasure is not voiced by not attending. This, the displeasure is displayed by complaining all the way through it. Oh, boy, that music's just too loud. Oh, that preacher sweats too much. <laughs> and it's just griping all the way through the morning. That's not the reason we gather. We, we don't gather for some sort of performance. What we want to do, we want to do with a spirit of excellence, and we'll talk about that, but... But ultimately, my goal isn't to set up something where, where you're entertained. We gather together because we think it's valuable, highly valuable, for the family to get together and worship Jesus. The church has been doing that from the beginning. And so we have followed the example of our forefathers that met on the Lord's Day, on Sunday, to meet and to worship and, and to be reminded as brothers and sisters in Christ how awesome our God is, how big he is, how faithful he is, to bring our worship to him, to give. You know, worship is giving, it's not getting. And so we find it highly valuable to gather together to give to the Lord our praise, our adoration, our attention, our affection, our money, our hearts. And so we find it very valuable enough that it should be important. It should be a priority. 
that we make sure that we honor the Lord on this day as a family. Now, the great thing is, and we prayed my little family together on the way here, that, hey, we get to worship the Lord every day. And that's the priesthood of the believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. We get to worship him every day. But that, as Hebrews says, we should not neglect the habit of meeting together, that there is importance and priority that should be a part of a faith family saying, we're going to get together and in community because the Christian life was not meant to be lived alone. In community, we're going to worship him together. And so we're here. And we meet regularly to worship the Lord together. And it's at this gathering where we'll come and we'll get refueled. We'll have those moments where we are poured into as we pour out unto the Lord. But we also receive marching orders. We receive our mission and our calling. And we're sent back into that mission field. Much like our servicemen and women in the military would use an aircraft carrier. That's what we do. Now I will tell you this. Because of the area that we live in. We, we contextualize what we do and we understand that in our area, the Sunday morning can be a great environment to further the spiritual conversation that you're already having. So that as you have reached out into the mission field God has given you, and as you, you engaged in conversation, we want you to know people are welcome to come experience what the Lord's doing in and through our faith family. Okay, we want you to invite those who don't know Jesus to what we are doing as a church. We have designed what we do to be understandable even enough for someone who doesn't know Jesus so that you are comfortable to say, hey, we've been talking about Jesus. We've built a connection. Why don't you come here and see what we're doing? And so, faith family, you should be inviting people to what is happening here so that it helps you minister and reach someone that is unreached. Sometimes it's good for the unreached to see what the reached look like. When I was in seminary, one of the debates was, can worship be evangelistic? And I say, yes, there's nothing more attractive than someone genuinely meeting with the Lord. And I've seen people experience that and say, I need that. Whatever God is doing in that person's life, I need and so, yes, we live it out and we're sent. But as you're sent, no, this is a place that will help you be a sent person in your conversation with the darkness or the lost around you. And I'm not trying to be crass or mean. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, the scriptures to liken it to something that is lost or someone that is lost. You can be found by putting your faith and trust in Jesus. So, church, invite. Let people know. Have them come experience what the Lord is doing in and through everyday church. Now, in an aircraft carrier, there's a lot of jobs. There's responsibilities. It's a military base on water. There's landing signal officers. There's the catapult crews. There's aviation fuel handlers. There's plane captains. There's the flight deck crew. There's even cooks for the mess hall. Our servicemen and women have responsibilities, and they have a job, and they want to do that well on the ship. In, in our Sunday morning environment, there are roles that are needed from our Hello Team, which is really our first impression to anyone that would walk through those doors, from having some food and some water and some things like that, just an inviting environment to those that are saying, we're glad you're here. We want people to know that as soon as they're on our campus, every life matters, and that 
We care for them, and God cares for them. And that takes people being the hands and feet of Jesus. We need people to help the experience in here be as distraction-free as possible. Where the words, that we have words so that we don't have to hold something and look down. That we can be able to look up and, and, and be more free in what we're trying to sing unto the Lord. To a musical team, to the sound, to a clean environment where the chairs are in the right place. And the, the things on the chairs are fine and look good. And, and the area is clean and as distraction-free as possible, to where kids can practically learn about Jesus and have their own time with the Lord that would be in a very age-specific way. Not as a babysitting, but a way to love on them and teach them in a, just like we're trying to teach on a different level than we would teach any kids, but in a way that would be on their level. It takes men and women who see these opportunities to say, I want to love my faith family. I want to love my other people and use the gifts that God has given me in that way, which is very important for us today. We just wrapped up a series last week about the Holy Spirit, and we talked about the Holy Spirit really empowering us to reach the lost. There is a power that the Holy Spirit gives us in uh, displaying God's goodness and greatness and reaching people into a faith in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, one of the major parts of the Holy Spirit is to do that. Jesus said we would do greater things than even he did because the Holy Spirit would come. But that's not the totality of the role of the Holy Spirit. That's not the, the totality of function of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also helps the believer love on other believers. I want to show you. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. See, in the Bible, we see the variety of ways the Spirit works. The Holy Spirit is crucial to the life of a believer. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you have the indwelling of the, the Holy Spirit, but there's a filling of the Holy Spirit where we are empowered to work or serve in our gifting. Some of that is with the lost. Some of that is in a personal life, but there's also another way in relationship to one another, specifically the faith family, the church. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let's start in verse 1. Here's a more comprehensive picture for us today on the Holy Spirit. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, which hopefully you've had questions like, what does the Spirit give us? This Corinthian church, the church in Corinth has this question. And so the, the uh, answer is here. Okay, I'm going to help you. I don't want you to misunderstand this, the Scripture said. Verse 2, you know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Okay, the, the Spirit of God is not going to have someone curse Jesus or the Spirit of the Lord isn't. The Spirit of the Lord will help someone say he's my boss. He's the one in control. Verse 4, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So just pause for a moment. We'll keep reading. We have a lot of scripture to read today, but here's what we see thus far. There are different gifts there's a variety of gifts and a variety of ways we use them. But those gifts are given by the one true God. One God, one spirit who gives us the gifts. And then very crucially, we must understand these gifts are given 
Why? So that we can help each other. Okay? We've looked at the Holy Spirit and why we have the Holy Spirit. We must talk about this. The Holy Spirit is given so that we can help each other. Verse 8. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So every believer should have. At least one gift God gives. And God wants you to use that gift to help people. You might not even know it yet. You might not even sure. And, and uh, Paul gives us a little list here of some of the gifts. But there's a lot of gifts that we can even find in different places in Scripture. But you've been given one. And there should be no jealousy like, oh, I got this gift. It should be grateful. Okay, I've gotten this gift or I have received gifts and God has decided it, and he wants me to use this gift or the gifts that he has given me for his glory and for the good of others. So we're not jealous about, oh, I can't believe they got that gift, and I only got this gift. It's kind of like the old phrase, you get what you get, and you, you don't throw a fit, right? Who would ever throw a fit to God? You gave me this spiritual gift of helping people. You've never complained about a gift, have you? Like... At Christmas, as we approach Christmas, you, your brother or sister maybe got something a little bit better, maybe that you wanted. You never complained about that. You'd never have the audacity to do it verbally or even internally, right? Oh, I can't believe she got that. I got this. I got the fruitcake. Maybe you're competitive like me and you've played Dirty Santa or White Elephant. Depending on how holy you are is what, what you call that game. And it, the one gift that was the best gift has gone around, and it ended up with someone else, and you got the gag gift. I always hate the gag gift. You got a Texas Longhorn Sports Illustrated Edition. You know, you got the gag gift. You're like, ugh. You've never complained externally or internally. I can't believe I got this gift. Right? We wouldn't do that as people. We embrace every gift we receive. It's like Michael in the office when he had the iPod for the Dirty Santa game. And he gave that. He wanted to be recognized for the extravagant gift that he gave. But everyone else was jealous because they didn't get the good gift. When it comes to our spiritual gifts, they're all valuable. All of them. Each and every spiritual gift that would be given unto you is of extreme value. Look at verse 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ, the faith family of God. There's one body. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Just as a side, the Bible has always been anti-racism. This is a huge statement in a very racist era of saying some Jews, some Gentiles, they didn't get along. Some slaves, some free. 
It's one spirit. We share that spirit. We're in this thing together. There's one body. None of us are different. We're all equal at the foot of cross. The foot of, of the cross. Verse 14. Yes, the body has many different parts. Okay? There's going to be many parts. There's not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts. Look at the end of verse 18. He's using this as an example, right? The, the physical body has many parts. But look, God has put each part just where he wants it. Same in the family of, the, of, of Christ. Same in the faith family. We all have a role, and that's what he wants. He's put each person where he wants them. He's given each gift in each person where he wants that gift. Verse 19, how strange a body would be if it had only one part. Amen. Weird. Yes, there are many parts, but there's only one body. Okay? There's only one faith family. There's, there's, there's one big C church. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. Well, the most honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. Now look at verse 25, very key. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. Again, this is the point that we're caring for one another. We're loving one another. We're helping one another. We need to have harmony that all the parts are important in the one body so that all the parts care for each other. Verse 26, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it, okay? Every one of you, you're a part of it. Some, you're the hand. Some, you're the eye. Some, you're the nose. Many of you in this room are the butt, but that's just, you know, how it goes because you're a pain in mind. Just kidding, Jason. All right, verse 28. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who give or have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Again, he's going through just a, a, a shortened list. And the church of Corinth had a high, they highlighted tongues. And that's why in all these lists, he puts them last. Verse 29, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? I think you can understand the answer of this. Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? What's the answer? Of course not. Listen, not all of us have that. And anyone that tells you, and there are churches out there that say you have to have, and you could list any of these and say, or you don't have the spirit, that ain't scripture. It's very clear. He says, we all going to have it? Of course not. And then the first part of verse 31. So you should earnestly desire 
the most helpful gifts. What should you desire? The ones that are helpful. The ones that are most helpful. Gifts are given for us to care for each other. And if we're going to desire any spiritual gift, it should be the ones that help the most. Which, for the last 10 days, we, we had, I gave you a challenge to pray and ask for the filling of the Spirit. To double your prayer time. And, and I'm sure all of you in this room, you've been praying in those moments, fill me with the Spirit so that I can help my church. So that I can help other people. Or, or you've been praying, God, give me the Spirit so I can know the junk going on in Susie's life. So I, <laughs> Give me discernment so I can make fun of her. You want the Spirit to gossip. You want the Spirit to show off. Or are you begging the Lord? Which Jesus said, you ask the Father who knows how to give good gifts. He'll give you the Spirit if you ask. Are you praying, God, give me the Spirit so I can help more people? That's what you're praying? It's better be. If you, if you spent 10 days not praying that, why don't you start today? And let's not even just limit it at 10 days. But 10 days, let's double it up. Let, let's pray and beg that the Lord would give us the Spirit. And that we would have more of the Spirit to help more people to serve the church better. We need that. You guys ever heard of the, the Pony Express? Heard of that? Uh, my dad was uh, one of their first riders. He was awesome. He did a really good job for them. Some of you maybe just heard about it in school. It, it was in the mid-1800s, right, that... that the Pony Express was in existence. They only lasted about 18 months. But this was the way to get the mail from St. Joseph, Missouri, all the way to Sacramento, California. See, in the mid-1800s, the, the railroads were on the East Coast to mid-America, basically. But the gold rush was happening in California, and there wasn't really a, an effective way yet. This is right pre-telegraph to get information, the 2,000-mile journey. Now, the Pony Express... If the weather would hold up and the thieves would stay away and uh, the horses would, would hold out, that it could make the, the trip in about 10 days. That was their goal. That was their promise. We'll get the mail there all the way from Missouri to California in 10 days. Y'all can't wait 10 minutes for a text. How are you going to wait 10 days to get important information, right? Yeah, you, you can't even fathom a life like that. But President uh, Abraham Lincoln inaugural address was sent this way. That's how his, his address got out to the West Coast. And they would use this Pony Express. And it was a very dangerous job. It was an important service that took very faithful, committed folks to participate. I saw an ad that they put out asking for these people to be a part of the Pony Express. See this, St. Joseph, Missouri to California, 10 days or less, wanted. Here's what they're looking for. Young, skinny, wiry fellows. Not over 18, which they did have them over 18 as well. But this is the ad. Must be expert riders willing to risk death daily. Orphans preferred. Wages, $25 per week. Who's signing up for that, right? Man, I mean, got to risk death daily. Uh, sign me up. Uh, orphans preferred because if you don't have family, it's better for you. I mean, crazy. But in their short 18 months, they didn't have a shortage of riders at all. They had plenty of riders that had signed up to work for the Pony Express. 
Which makes me think, why in the world can we not have enough e-kids volunteers? Why can't we? Why do we have a Hello Team struggling to have people sign up to greet at the door? I'll pay you $25 a week if that's what it takes. See, there's some of you thinking, well, they got paid to do it. Let, let me just tell you something. Do you think God notices when you serve under the name and banner of Jesus? Or do you think he's clueless? You think he'll honor you? And yet you won't serve? And yet people sign up for that. Listen, it takes faithful, committed people to serve the church, the faith family. And there are all kinds of responsibilities from Bill, who comes up here every week to straighten the, the, the chairs and put the cards out and, and to vacuum in some areas and to make sure everything's good. To the doshers picking up Panera on Friday nights and then leading a hello team. To people greeting. To Nick, who comes up here during the week to set up the, the tech and the AV stuff. To e-group leaders. To e-kids. We need faithful and committed people that would say, I... I get it. I want to serve out of the giftings I have. And if the more serve, then, then it's not every week, even though there's no problem with that. And by the way, at 10 o'clock, we get our volunteers together, and we have a time in the Word and in worship together. There's no excuse. There's two things that kill the servant, pride and laziness. Being a servant requires humility. And if you think you're too good to serve, you're never going to wash feet like Jesus did. Who, by the way, if anyone ever had a too good excuse, it's him. But in John, it says he showed his love to the full, or to the, the fullness of his love. And he got down and he washed his disciples' feet. Eye to foot level, eye to toe level. And, and washed their feet, which they didn't wear closed-toed shoes. And they didn't just sit in the car all day as they walked the dirty, muddy streets, dusty streets. He washed. He took the form of a servant and he washed their feet. If anyone could have said, nah, I'm too good for this, it is Jesus. You know, Jesus was the sinless sacrifice. There was no sin in him. He was the unblemished lamb, like Passover. He was the lamb without defect, set as a sacrifice. The, the one who knew no sin became our sin. Okay, just to set the picture for you, he never screwed up, never once. And, and if anyone could have said, I'm too good for this, it's him, because he was too good. But because he was too good, he showed his goodness and his righteousness by getting on his feet and washing his disciples' feet. Getting on his knees and washing their feet. So if you think you're too good, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You're not too good. In fact, you're too bad. You have a sin problem. Now we can get rid of the two if we would just repent and get on our knees and say, I'm God, I'm, God, I'm sorry that I think I'm, I'm better than anyone here that I can't serve you can have that fixed and you can have that healed if you would just say god forgive me for that and we'll find you a place trust me but if you're prideful it's not going to work god opposes the pride he gives grace to the humble and a major part of following jesus is denying thyself and picking up your cross and so serve your church to serve, you need to be humble, but you also need a work ethic that is set on glorifying God, doing things with the spirit of excellence. If you're lazy, you won't ever stop and you will never step into an opportunity that is right around here. And it doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter who you are. 
there's an opportunity for you to serve. I love Proverbs 22:13. If you don't understand it, you think, what in this world does it mean? But Proverbs 22:13 says, the lazy person claims, there's a lion out there. If I go outside, I might be killed. You think, well, that makes sense. Do you see the beginning? The lazy person claims, there's a lion out there. If I go outside, I might be killed. Listen, you can always find an excuse if you want an excuse. There's always a lion outside. Could be 20,000 miles away, but there's a lion outside. I can't go out there. I can't go to the door and greet people. You know how cold it is up there? If that door opens, I might get pneumonia. In e-kids with all those germs? Don't wash their hands. RSV. Bird flu. Is that a thing anymore? I don't know. But we will come up. There's bird flu out there. I can't serve. Listen. You can find any excuse you want. Put down the excuse. And serve out of the gifting God has given you. Explore it. If you're not even sure, let's, find, let's put you in a couple different areas until you figure out where it is you're best at. Let's help you find a way to serve. Some of you, it, your gifting could be that you have a vehicle and you could go get free Panera. What a blessing it is that we can use that. You have the gift of time. You have the gift that of monetary means. You have the gift of a good smile. Bill, I'm telling you, he comes up here, like I said, every week and vacuums and he picks up and he sets the chairs. What's his gift? He's retired. And he's a gift of helps. He's serving. I love what Martin Luther King said. He said, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep the streets even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music. This is talking about a street sweeper. Or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. Do it well. Peter said something very similar, and of course, before Martin Luther King. But 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift. Brother and sister in Christ, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. And there is a great variety. Use them well. Use them well to what? Serve one another. And he gives a couple examples of spiritual gifts. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak. As though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? These are two completely, you would think, they, they contrast almost. It's like, okay, the speaking and then this just helping others. He says, do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Serve well, y'all. The goal for 2020 isn't that you just serve and maybe do it reluctantly or forced. The goal of 2020 is you would serve well. Do it with all your might, all your heart. For God's glory, for the good of others. You serve well. Think about this. Let's say that you have a neighbor or a coworker that you know doesn't believe in Jesus. 
and you've done some extra nice things just to be friendly and kind. You've, you've shown love to them in, in different ways, try to encourage them and help them. There's been even a moment or two where you got to say what Jesus has done in your life and give God glory through something. And you've been encouraged that the conversation can, seems to continue. And then one day you're talking about weekend plans and you're saying, yeah, I want to be uh, with my faith family on Sunday. They're like, oh, yeah. And you're like, hey, why don't you come? And you're ready for the no again. But they say, yeah, me and, me and the, the wife or me and the husband and the kids, I th- I, we've been talking about it. You know, because that's what God does. He works on them because you've been praying. We've been talking about, we'd love to come this Sunday. I've been pouring into these people, praying for them. Here it is. Sunday morning comes. Like, hey, I'm, I'm running a little bit late. Y'all go on. Like, oh, yeah, we're a little bit early. We wanted to come make sure where we are, where it is, where y'all meet. And so they show up. They come to the door. Spouse and kids kind of fumbling around. No one's at the door. They open it. They come in. No one says Hi. Not even a hello. There's even some people in the lobby and they're just talking amongst themselves and they're looking around like, what do we do? We got the kids. We just, well, they see these doors and they're open. So they just come in here and there's just a couple people sitting in here, but no one's talking to each other. They're just looking at their phones and they're like, do the kid, do, what do we do? And then they hear some kids kind of off in the distance. Like, I guess we just take the kids down here. They go through these doors and they go to that table. There's a big e-kids banner right there. But no one's at the table, and they're just kind of standing there, and they're looking around like, what do we do? And then they hear the kids, and they see the little monitor with the kids in the rooms back that way. They're like, I guess, I guess we just go back that way. So they take the kids back there, and they're just Nico running around. And Nico's got 20 kids back there already, and he's going through them, and he's trying to keep them corralled, and they're going crazy. But they see that there's some, like, signs, toddlers on a door. And so they go to the door, and they're like, well, we have a toddler, and... But there's not an adult in the room. There's kids drawn on the walls. <laughs> okay, well, let's, let's get back out of here. So they come back in here and they just sit down like, I think this is the place where we would be. And then someone comes up to lead worship. Michael's here and, and, and he starts leading. Some people know the songs, but there's nothing on the screen. Like, I wonder what they're really singing about. And, and I can't hear them because there's no, there's no audio happening. There's no sound really happening just besides what's coming out of the instrument. This is kind of strange. What kind of experience do you think they've had so far? You think it's been a positive one? Listen, I can tell you in the first stats, in the first 15 minutes before they ever get to me, people decide if they're going to come back or not in the first 15 minutes. Sometimes it's less than that. But let's just say you've invited them. And someone greets them at the door. You're still not here yet. You are running late. But there's a couple people that open the door for them, introduce them and say, hey, how are you? Anything I can do for you? Oh, you have kids. Do you want to, can I show you to the e-kids ministry? Instead of just pointing them, then I always say, let me take you. Come on, let me introduce you to someone. You're walking through here. You see some people and the people are actually slowing you down because you're, someone else is taking them, to, but they're coming up saying, hello, how are you? And they're greeting and saying, oh, great. Hey, E-Kids is this way. And they're escorted to the E-Kids table where someone is there with a nice big smile saying, hey, awesome, how are you? Is this y'all's first time? Hey, let me get some information from you. Here, here's this form. This is all you got to do. We got a name tag. And they say, hey, let me help you find the classroom where you need to be. And then they walk them to the classroom. 
And there's Nico still with 20 kids going crazy, but they still see that there's joy and there's life. And they say, here's this room. And there's an adult in the room already 15 minutes before we start. Can you imagine that? An adult already in the room. And they say, oh, is this your child? What's your child's name? Awesome. Come on in here. Have a good time. And then the parents come in here. And then the words are on the screen, and it's clean. There's not crumbs everywhere. They're not having to brush off a cinnamon roll because the place has been presented in a way that would be attractive. Which experience is better? Come on, listen. See, some of you don't even think about the first one because you've never invited someone, by the way. If you've ever invited someone, you feel the tension about scenario A. You cringe if no one's at that door. You cringe if no one is being friendly and greeting. You cringe if they got kids and they're at that table and no one's at that table. If you're not cringing, you should be. But it takes people. And guess what? For the most part, you don't have to cringe because that's happening. But it's by a handful that are the ones always there. We need more people to step up to the plate and to serve. And here's the thing. We, we don't serve to impress me. We're not serving to impress one another for extra righteousness. What I want you to know is that even though when you serve, people might not notice. And by the way, that happens sometimes when you volunteer. And as a pastor and leader, I, listen, I apologize. Sometimes we don't recognize you enough. We love you. Thank you for serving is, is crucial. I hope you see that as we've talked about today. Crucial to who we are as a faith family, serving one another. Thank you. But the cool thing is, even though people might not notice what you're doing, God does. And he doesn't just notice it. He blesses you for it. I told you Jesus washed his disciples' feet. After he washed their feet, he told them, I did this as an example for you to follow. See, it wasn't just about washing feet. He said, this is an example. In essence, this is how you serve one another, even if it means washing feet. He said, this is your example to follow. After Jesus said that, in John 13, verse 17, he says, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. God blesses those who put their service into action. See, not only does he see it, he has to see it because of what he does. He blesses you for it. Now, do you serve for the blessing? No. Because then you're not serving God anymore. You're serving for yourself. So there is a line there. But if you just serve God, I want you to step into that. No, he will reward you. He sees it. And not only does he see it, he blesses you for it. And so, faith family, you have a wonderful opportunity to serve your church. It's a big part of who we are. That's why we make it a part of membership. And if you are curious about our membership, dinner with the pastor, you need to be a part. And I talk about it. But serving is a requirement because it's saying we're in this thing together. And again, we try to remove every excuse. At 10 o'clock, we get together. If we have enough people serving, you're not going to be on technically every week. But we need more people. But here's the thing. How do you get more people too? Well, you need to get people here. When's the last time someone visited because you invited them? I know it's Thanksgiving weekend, there is crazy sickness going around. It stinks. It's been bad. Are you trying? And then, let's have everyone in place 
If you're not serving today and you would like to know where, talk to me. If, it, if you know right now, hey, I think kids would be a good fit. I want you to see Nico today. He's back in E-Kids. If you don't know, he has, he has a mustache, really ugly looking mustache, but he's got one. You can find him, okay? 2020, hopefully, is a year of a razor for him. But if it's tech, he's not in here, so I get to say this. This is fun. If it's tech and AV, Nick, who's back there right now, who's always back there, by the way, and shouldn't be, by the way. Listen, someone could have helped with words today. He did sound and words. We can find you a place. You know, when I say words, that means what we put on the screen. There is actually a skill to that that is easy to teach, though. You push a button. And if you push another one, we're in trouble. But if you can push the right button, we're going to be okay. All right? It's easy. Jason needs people. From serving on Friday nights to serving on Sunday morning. Don't, and, and by the way, these leaders, if they're not getting you plugged in, tell me. You need to get plugged in. And, and don't just, here's the thing. I've never seen a church hurt from people coming in with an attitude to serve more. I've seen a whole bunch get hurt because of people being selfish. But I haven't seen any of them get hurt for being like, hey, I'm here to serve. But let me also say this. Don't just show up like, hey, I'm here this Sunday, I'll serve. Get intentional with your service. Get on a list. Get on a schedule. Make it known. These are the Sundays. This is what we're going to do. Let's have a plan. Let's not just let the system happen. Create the system. And be intentional with that. And if it's not happening, let's make it happen. Okay? Listen, I love you. Most We have a lot of people in our church serve. But you know, I am prophetic. And I am black and white. And I am going to push you, if you're not serving, to serve. And if you are serving to serve well, and if you're just kind of serving by happenstance, fix that. Serve intentionally. That's my call. That's my challenge for you today. The Holy Spirit has given you a gift. And it's several gifts. And it might not look exactly how you thought, but we will find a way to use it. Because there is a way. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time together. I love you. I thank you for uh, an opportunity to worship you through music. I thank you for an opportunity to be in the word. And we read so much scripture today. And I just thank you for 1 Corinthians 12. I thank you for your word. I thank you for 1 Peter 4.10. Encouraging us and teaching us about the gifts of the spirit and how to serve one another and how to use them well for the good of others and for your glory. May we step into that. Be that. May we, thank you for Jesus washing the disciples' feet. May we follow that example. And thank you for your promise in John 13, 17, that you will bless us for doing our act of service by serving one another. Man, I hope we're encouraged by all that today. And many in this room serve consistently. And I pray they would be encouraged today by that truth, that you will bless them, that we are we are following in your footsteps and we're being obedient to you. So God, thank you. Thank you, thank you for this day. I love you, God. I love you what you're, you're doing in and through EC. And I know so many are sick right now and I just pray for your health on our faith family. Um, I know some are watching via Facebook Live and uh, are out of town. But God, just please uh, continue to place that 
protection over our faith family and those that are struggling really help and encourage them uh, specifically with their health. And then also, Lord, I know we've kind of been in different uh, places this morning, but I pray that we would be more vocal in, in inviting people to the aircraft carrier, to, to what's happening, what reach people do, and that we would further those conversations we're having with the lost people around us or those that are unchurched or dechurched, those that are far from a, a, a church home to those that were but haven't been in a while, God. Give us favor in our community. Um, to you be all glory, God. I, again, I, I just love being in your presence. And uh, I love being able to be in your word and explain that. Thank you for the giftings that you've given me. And I, I pray that I would be obedient in those giftings and use them for your glory. And I pray the same for uh, all those in this room. In your name we pray. Amen. This is Pastor John. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Church Podcast. For more information on us or if you happen to make a spiritual decision during this message, please let us know and go to our website, www.everyday.church. There's an email link that you can click on and we would love to hear from you. If there's anything going on that has happened during this message, if the Lord has spoken to you or you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Also, if there's a prayer request or concern, then you can email us and we would love to take the time to pray for you and respond in any way that we can. Again, thank you so much for listening. God bless. Thank you.